It don't matter what I try I just can't win and I don't know why There's a fork in every road I pick the wrong one and then I go American loser, yes I am Disenfranchised from everything well, I fall up and I fall down American loser the day I was born well, welcome back to another episode of American Loser. It is the podcast that puts the spotlight firmly on second place. Uh, we're blowing up lately, guys. We've got a lot of good things coming in here. As always, where are we, Kahuna? You know where we're at. We're at a shared universe podcast studio, baby. <laughs> Best podcast studio on the East Coast. It, uh, no, it is true, man. I, I do love the studio here. Uh, so behind the ones and twos, best uh, podcast producer around, our oh, boy, uh, the Big Kahuna. Uh, so. uh, <laughs> Being Kahuna. behind the ones and twos, does that make you like a bathroom attendant? <laughs> <laughs> he does you know, I had a cool job and you just reduced it <laughs> to just shit, to literally. Ones, to ones and twos. <laughs> I can't explain why it makes me laugh so hard every time but it's uh that scene in um deuce bigelow male gigolo when um he goes uh he, he's speaking to uh his father his father's the bathroom the men's room attendant and it's just he's giving him like fatherly advice you just hear a guy tearing up the toilet in the background the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> but um so of course uh if you guys are familiar with the podcast what we do is it's me and my dilf of a dad who uh larry burke you should say hello by the way hey, oh, oh, oh. that's the handsome man <laughs> ruffling all those papers in the background that's just right. That only annoys you, so that's why I have to do sound. it. <laughs> the stash. <laughs> he does have a great mustache here. Uh, and, of course, uh, we, we're bringing back a guest, too. He was very well-received. Um, uh, Uncle Paul has returned to the show here. Paul Petruno, how are you, sir? I'm terrific. What have you been up to? Well, I've been dancing with the Shen Yung dance uh, group. <clears throat> I'm the third girl from the left. You can't tell it's me because I have this veil. <laughs> It was a little tough, but the big pain in the ass is shaving your legs. <laughs> and then they told me, you don't have to shave that high. <laughs> I didn't know. Nobody told me shit. It's in the manual. They, they kind of assume you read it, but I'm sorry. Yeah, some people think that's a feminine, but I want you to know, I was a man trapped in a woman's body for like nine months, and then I was born. <laughs> and, and I've been male ever since. You know, I'm not a, I just got to tell you, I'm not a homo, but my husband might be. <laughs> this, is okay. like when, uh, this is like when Carson would bring on Rickles. And, uh, <laughs> and just see Carson be like, I don't know, it's live. We can't stop him. <laughs> now, uh, Uncle Paul, the funniest guy I've ever met in my life, legitimately, uh, is back here. Now, you're with us for the Sacco and Vanzetti episode. You had a nice tie in there, a lot of New Jersey connections, a lot of, because uh, you're the Italian guy that married into the family. So thank God for you. Otherwise, every Christmas would just be... I mean, Yorkshire pudding. <laughs> right. If you're lucky. You're right. So, no, we're uh, very happy to have you here. Uh, and it is an early, uh, it's an early Sunday morning here. This episode's going to come out on Tuesday like we try to do. But uh, we got the kahuna out of bed again. We ruined cartoons, yeah. as, as we uh, tend to do, unfortunately. It's Saturday morning cartoons for me. Sunday, they, it's always weird cartoons. Uh, you see. But it's, don't worry about it. I literally went almost 100 miles an hour down the Carnage State Parkway. I live about a half hour away. I got here 15 minutes. I was impressed <laughs> with it too. I mean, I don't want to know how many people you hit on your way. But oh, a lot. Yeah. There was like a right. school. There was like a trio of bikers that are fucking dead on the side of the road somewhere. Yeah, Kahuna pulled into the parking lot. There was a a, a cyclist's uniform was hanging off the exhaust of the car. <laughs> that wasn't a new red paint job. 
The oh, paper trail following Jesus, we're getting dark here. Um, this week's American Loser, it is uh, Football I mean, Sunday here for us, so this week's American Loser, uh, unfortunately, is the God King, Eli Manning. Um, no, it's not going to be the topic of that, uh, but uh, we do have to say this, man. I'm a diehard Giants fan. I think everybody in the room is. Um, Eli Manning not starting today for the New York Football Giants. Uh, the man won two Super Bowls. He was the MVP of both Super Bowls, all right? And uh, he does have a little bit of a dummy face, okay? That's fair to say. The guy's mm-hmm. a, a football god, but uh, as Uncle Paulie once said, if you put a piece of straw in his mouth, exactly. it, would, it would fit. <laughs> he's a, he's a, give him a straw hat. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, uh, one of the greats uh, to ever do it. I think he's a, a Hall of Famer, no doubt, and he's definitely uh, the best quarterback the New York Giants have ever had. So that being said, we'll be watching his replacement, Daniel Jones, uh, later on today. So with uh, that being said, we're going we're gonna to just get this thing going, man. we got a killer episode for you. Um, I mean, we're not going to take a half hour to finally get to the topic of the day? Well, it's weird because in order to explain this topic, we do have to do a little bit of background, LP. Okay. Um, so the show is called American Loser. You guys are familiar with that. Today we're doing a Meso-American Loser. Okay. Um, this story kind of has it all. It's got uh, prophecies, uh, worlds colliding, fancy gadgets, uh, doomsday prophecies, emperors, and uh, as the Spanish call it, machismo. Are you familiar with machismo, kahuna? I think I had that on a hamburger. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, that's the. We're going to start this story in what, honestly, it's one of those things where it's like we're going to roll our eyes a lot in um, this episode. We're going to do a lot of air quotes too, so you guys aren't seeing that. There's no visual aspect to the show yet. We're working on stuff. Um, going to be a lot of uh, in quotations today. Here, uh, this story takes place in the new world. Is that fair to say, LP? Brave New World. Yes, the <laughs> New World. Well, what's the problem with the New World, though? Uh, well, there's worlds colliding uh, between the old world and the, and the new world. Yeah, so it's a, it's a new world, a brand new world. We just discovered that there's already people in it. That means you're late. That's okay? right. That's right. What, dude, we I just discovered people. this there great party. here, right. <laughs> like, oh, look at that. All, that. all that land, all that property, and nobody living there? No, not quite, but... They were funny, too. And it's weird because we thought they were primitive because they didn't speak the same language as us. Do you realize how backwards that one is? Yeah. Just, like, imagine showing up somewhere and just be like, oh, these guys, they don't speak my language. Like, it's like if I go to another state and I was like, I can't believe everybody's not from Jersey here. What's wrong with you people in Oklahoma? <laughs> They're living better. That's a <laughs> Well, uh, it's an interesting thing. So this new world is not very new, like we're talking about. This is the age of discovery, they call it, okay? And uh, Uncle Paul is going through all of his research right now for all you guys listening at home. That's uh, that's LP is off the hook. That's not him rustling papers. That's Uncle Paul. He was t- <laughs> Again, it only affects you. So that's why we do it. Uh, the minute we get a comment where it's like, stop with the paper rustling, then I'll be concerned. In the meantime, it's just a funny little... It's gotta, i got to keep him on point. Got to keep it real. <laughs> so uh, here's, a, here's a great name um, for a job. Uh, now, Uncle Paul, you worked in the insurance business for a long time, right? Yeah, about 30-some, 40 years. So yeah. uh, across your time, did you ever file a claim for anybody who was working in the conquistador field? Not yet, no. <laughs> That's a great name, by the way, if you were to move in. Because literally the, the name of this episode is There Goes the Neighborhood, which right. I think is appropriate as uh, we're going to expand on it. But um, imagine that you meet somebody and uh, they say, oh, well, hey, I'm so-and-so, Bob, nice to meet you. I just moved in next door. Oh, cool. What do you do for a living? Oh, I'm a conquistador. Uh, oh, what does that mean? Well, it means I show up in new places and just kind of conquer everything around me. Right. And, We're going to rape, know, pillage, and plunder. Bend you guys to my will. Oh, that's great. Uh, Ed, we should have you over for dinner. Uh, you want to come over? And, <laughs> and we don't need no stinking badges. That's a- <laughs> 
So what a great name for a profession. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it's kind of a weird thing here. But there's this race going on in uh, Europe to discover the, again, in quotes, new world. So you got all sorts of stuff going on here. Now, Uncle Paul. Uh, well, just to, just to stop you there for a minute. Actually, they were trying to discover a new route to to India, mm. and this new world just kind of got in the way. <laughs> like, holy shit, wait a minute. It's the best thing about Columbus this is that he, India, yeah, he calls, uh, calls the locals there the uh, Indians. And it's uh, just imagine that where you're like, oh, it's so great to be here. Uh, all of these, you know, again, we're going to go back to Oklahoma for a second. Imagine you're on your way to Oklahoma, but you stop in Ohio and you say, these beautiful Oklahomans from Ohio. <laughs> you know. They should have Ubered it. Yeah. <laughs> That's, right. That's right. Get one of the locals to take you there. Well, we got um, we got a lot of stuff going on over here. So uh, we got the uh, uh, it's kind of fun too because there's different nationalities who are going to explore on behalf of different uh, kingdoms. So now you know about Columbus, right, Uncle Paul? Mm-hmm. So he's an Italian fella, but he was sailing for who? Yeah, Spain. Yeah, so he was sailing for Spain. So that gets kind of interesting too. Now, one of the first explorers to discover this this really just stopped me in my tracks. Um, I did a project as a kid where it was mapping the, the, the age of discovery, if you will, for discovering the new world. Um, a guy who sailed for Britain uh, that discovered uh, Newfoundland, okay, uh, up in Canada, uh, was named John Cabot. Okay, pretty boring name. Sounds like a cheese, right? <laughs> right, um, right. So get this, Kahuna. You want to talk about cultural appropriation? Uh, oh, shit. In order to – his name in the English history books is John Cabot. He's actually uh, Giovanni Caboto from Italy. Wow. <laughs> yeah, nice Italian kid just coming over, you know. He's a <laughs> you had to keep it in the down low. You know the way those people are. It's <laughs> so that's where Ellis Gotta Island got the inspiration to start butchering names. <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> it might as well have been, right? Jesus. So, right. But, uh, Giovanni Caboto. I come that's over too here. hard to spell. Let's go with uh, I sail a really good for you. You don't understand. <laughs> I, I find so much stuff for you. I'm very happy. All right? God save the queen, you know? <laughs> But um, so there's all this stuff going on. Now, the best explorers, the best, uh, the, the ballsiest people, the guys who uh, their bread and butter is uh, the Italians are great at it. The best is the Portuguese. OK, <laughs> they know a couple of things. They know how to make a good roll. OK, <laughs> Portuguese roll. Um, and then on top of that, the other thing that they're great with is uh, exploring. They're uh, they're a nautical people, if you will. OK, so they're kicking ass. But they're discovering everything. It's all happening within a couple of years of each other. Do we all know what year Columbus discovered, quote, the new world? 1492. Mm-hmm. So that's all drilled in their head here. So this story takes place shortly after that. It's like within a 30-year period for all the stuff that's going to happen today. Um, now, the race to discover this new world, in, in a lot of ways, I feel like it's a, a parallel. And my father's going to disagree with me on this one. Uh, it's like the space race, okay? Because mm-hmm. uh, I'm 32 and Kahuna is 14. So we were not alive. Uh, dur- oh, yeah, it's, it's child labor here at a shared universe. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> yeah, Kahuna. It, it, you know really- what's really funny, too? Some people are going to hear my voice and be like, oh, that sounds right. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know. It's a deep voice, but he does love cartoons. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Looks good in a I'm smock. just an enigma, That's- okay? <laughs> um, so the thing I want to compare this to is that when these European powers are now attempting to discover the new world, how much of it can we get out there? You know, let's let's fund voyages. Uh, and again, it's not even there's not party lines or anything. It's just, uh, hey, we got the the English are able to finance a badass Italian explorer to go into the new world. So it's whatever's available. It's kind of like the uh, the space race. That's how I'm looking at it. The USSR versus the evil capitalist pigs in America. Okay, the fine people of the Soviet Union. Um, <laughs> Now, weird fact, the Soviet Union did get the first man into space. You guys know his name? Yeah, I used to, but... 
Eureka Garin. Okay, yeah. So, Uri. Yeah, it's, uh, so he was the first man in space, and then we put somebody up on the moon. Still debatable, but um, <laughs> we got somebody over there on the moon. It was, uh, it was a cool thing. That's a, na- a lot of national pride coming from that. Um, and then also the other great thing was that uh, the Americans uh, put all this money into having a, uh, a pen that would be able to be used in space so that it wouldn't freeze and the gravity wouldn't mess with the pen. And the uh, Soviets used a pencil. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A lot of taxpayer dollars wasted on that one. Thank you so much to the beautiful people at NASA. Um, <laughs> now, when NASA lost its funding in Florida, by the way, my buddy Chris Buck has one of the best jokes I've ever heard about it. It was like everybody's so sad that NASA's leaving Cocoa Beach. And he goes, he goes, I hate NASA. NASA deserves to die, man. They killed a teacher on live television and got away with it. <laughs> <laughs> Almost killed Big Bird, too. It's a <laughs> you ever hear that story? No. Carol Spinney, the guy who plays Big Bird, was supposed to be on The Challenger. Ooh. Yeah, he was. they almost killed Big Bird. Hey, Bert. <laughs> Did you notice the fuselage is on fire? <laughs> <laughs> One misfire. Uh, uh, uh. Two misfire. Uh, uh. Oh, my God. Uh, Jesus, we're off track already. I'm sorry, guys. I'm sorry. We didn't even make it 15 minutes in before that. <laughs> So uh, here's what we got. This is really cool here. So um, it's, a, it's a weird thing. You got uh, the race between the European powers to discover and settle this new world is well underway. Um, as we talked about now, a guy discovered Florida. Uh, you, any, do you happen to know the name, Uncle Paul? Guy who discovered Florida. I probably do, but I'm 71 now. It's, uh, <laughs> yeah, but, you know, knowing where I live is tough. Yeah, but you're handsome. Uh, well, that I got going. Was that Ponce? Ponce de Leon, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Which, uh, what a what a great term uh, for irony in that uh, Ponce de Leon is coming to uh, uh, he's coming to the New World in uh, hopes of discovering the Fountain of Youth. And uh, is Florida known for its youthful population, Dad? Is that <laughs> is that fair to say? Where everybody goes to die. So, yeah, uh, so that's interesting. So everybody's figuring all this shit out. Um, now, it's a little bit wild here. Columbus in 1492. Ponce de Leon discovers Florida in 1513. Spain, if you're keeping you know, track at home, is kicking ass right now, okay, in terms of explorations. So there's these new issues, though, with expansion. Uh, what should we do about the land and the peoples that are occupying this new world? Like, we got this great new world now. It's just this, this bad element, you know, these indigenous people kind of ruining it for everybody. Yeah, just to back you up a little bit here, too, though, uh, your comparison to the space race, I mean, that was like the age of discovery to discover, you know, new worlds or n- the planets or the moon, to be the first on the moon. This European race to um, capture the, the new world, it's it's a money grab. It's a land grab, money grab kind of a thing. When Columbus came back and had reports of finding indigenous people that were wearing golden earrings and everything else, like... There's gold on the, in that new world. Let's let's be having some of that because again, initially they were hoping to find a sea route, an ocean route to India for the spices and the trade routes and everything else. Because uh, at that time the Ottoman Turks were getting a little frisky at the at the uh, eastern end of the Mediterranean and made land travel to to the Indies uh, difficult. So let's find the Let's find an end around. Rather than going all the way around uh, the tip of Africa and sailing around that way, let's see if we can just go straight across. And that whole idea that Columbus proved that the world was not flat, that's, that's all BS because that was disproved 
hundreds of years. Uh, he's correct. The Earth is flat. For those listening at home, <laughs> oh, yeah, it has been confirmed. Larry Burke said so. No. <laughs> flat Earther. No, Let's not get him going on vaccines. Okay. All right, guys. <laughs> the one thing they both have in common is you got to be batshit crazy to get into a yes. ship, right? <laughs> and, and God knows where you're going to end up, if you're going to end up, if you don't fall off the edge, or go out to space, yeah. where everything there is going to kill you. That's a- <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's absolutely right too, Uncle Paul, because it's a it's a wild thing. Because the I always picture you're not going to get smart people aren't going to do this. Adventurous people maybe they're going to get into it. Opportunists, okay, people who are looking for the quote better life or whatever. I do picture Columbus coming back. He just goes, uh, by the way, uh, uh, tons of riches out there, uh, spices, gold, treasure, new lands, new territories. The women do not wear shirts, and you see a a, a, a bus full of you know. Fraternity brothers, <laughs> we're on our way, bro. Bar stool, bar stool. <laughs> so uh, they can't wait to get over there. And um, now today's story gets a little bit weird here because we're not going to get to the actual loser until about the halfway mark. But this is all unpacking that we're doing here. So uh, today's story is uh, it's tough, man. In 1511, there's a Spanish a Spanish expedition led by uh, Diego Velasquez that arrives in Cuba. Which, by the way, I don't know if you guys knew this. Um, I thought this was interesting. So one of the islands that Columbus discovers is Hispaniola, right? You guys right. know that one? What, sure. What is Hispaniola today? Uh, well, it's the second largest uh, island in the Caribbean. Cuba's first, and then Hispaniola was number two. Uh, Hispaniola, I guess, is what? Santo Domingo? and No, this is wild, okay? A lot of people didn't realize this, and I, I did not realize it until recently. Uh, good friend of the show, James from the comedy shop, one of my good pals. He and his girlfriend went to the Dominican Republic, and I did not realize this. Hispaniola is the Dominican Republic, and then and this middle line it divides between the Dominican Republic and Haiti. Haiti, mm-hmm. right? Okay. I did not know. So if you look at a right. map on there, it's two nations that on island, one island. Right. One end yeah. is, is Haiti, the other end and is the Dominican Haitians Republic. speak French, by the way, because they were colonized by the French. And the uh, the you know the Dominicans, they are just. They do whatever they want, and no one can tell them what to do. Okay. They speak what they call spaghetti French. It's not really French. Spaghetti French. <laughs> it's kind of mixed up. Well, they're fine, because uh, a lot of Haitian dudes were in the Navy with me, actually. That was because um, you wrote me a letter in boot camp, which were legendary letters, Uncle Paul. But uh, <laughs> one of them was, uh, he goes, uh, he goes I-, I hope you're enjoying seeing people, uh, you know, the uncomfortability of some of these people wearing shoes for the first time. And sure enough, the one kid from Haiti was like, I never had boots before, man. Like, it was it was a head trip. Mm. But also, you live on an island and you can't swim, right? That didn't make much sense to me. And then it doesn't even make sense that you live on an island, you can't swim, so you join the Navy. <laughs> <laughs> to see the world. You're making this difficult on yourself, my friend. <laughs> so, but uh, very cool that way. So, uh, yeah, Hispaniola was, uh, uh, quote, discovered by Columbus over here. But now we're over in uh, in Cuba, which is like the gem. I mean, we've had, as as a society, as an American nation, we've had our eye on Cuba since its inception. You know what I mean? Jefferson was all about that. So Cuba, pretty cool place, okay? Um, you know, and there's lots of things to like about them. The sandwiches, all right? The, uh, the culture, the food, the dancing, um, the ladies, the relief pitchers. Uh, I mean, they're great at pretty much whatever they want to do. So... Uh, Cuba's wild, but in 1511, this guy Diego Velasquez uh, gets sent by the king of Spain, which, by the way, Spain, uh, they're dirty Catholics. Okay, so it's important for the story later on here, because the idea is that these people are going over, if you convert them to Catholicism, it will bring honor to the Catholic king, who at the time in Spain is Charles, 
and uh, it's also going to bring honor to uh, the Pope that maybe you get a couple favors from that old uh, wizard in the pointy hat over at the Vatican. <laughs> so, kind of cool. I mean, he's it, trying but, to score points with whoever, right? yeah, the king so, and and your religious leader and your your. Uh, your king. So, so my dad's Irish Catholic, and Uncle Paul is a Roman Catholic. And let's be honest, okay? If uh, if the Pope gave you guys a shout out on Twitter, <laughs> your moms would go crazy. Okay, that's fair to say. You shouldn't call him the man with the pointy hat. It should be the man with the nice friggin' shoes. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> yeah. Prada shoes. Give me a break. <clears throat> yeah, pointy hat uh, kind of gives you the wrong image. Well, uh, I mean... Well, I mean, you're not wrong. It's cultural appropriation, right? <laughs> <laughs> the guy can do magic. Water, wine, come on, blood, all that stuff. He's good that way. If you could have the Pope to a party... Um, dude, it's, it's, I know we're off topic on this one already, but uh, my, my friend Chris Stefano that I'm going to be opening for it. Uncle Vinny's coming up shortly. Check out my calendar, kpburksucks.com. Um, but uh, Stefano's got one of the funniest riffs I've ever heard. Was uh, It was him and uh, Giannis Pappas on their show. They were riffing out... Um, he grew up in Ridgewood, Queens, and they were riffing out a thing where uh, if the Pope was coming to dinner, the Pope's coming to dinner, Chrissy, go out and get a nice Entenmann's cake. The Pope is coming. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it just made me laugh so hard, man. But if the Pope's on your side, good things are coming, okay? So this guy, Diego Velasquez, arrives in Cuba now, and uh, among his ranks is a uh, Spanish-born guy. He's from uh, Medellin, Spain, okay? Medellin, pretty infamous uh, town. In Spain, more so in Colombia. That's the whole Pablo Escobar thing. So, uh, But this guy is uh, one of my professors at Brookdale, uh, Jess Levine, who is a great professor. Uh, I hope to have him on the show one day. He gave Hernan Cortez, who we're about to talk about, gave him a great nickname of uh, Captain Testosterone. <laughs> okay? And the more you hear about him, the more you realize what a perfect name that is. Well, I guess that's better than Tillman Frittita. <laughs> I don't know where that guy got that name. That, that just Fritita. Yeah, come on. You own a casino and that's your name? How can I help you? Yeah, can I get a chicken for cheetah? <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I don't know why you said that name and all of a sudden I wanted eggs. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, this guy, uh, a testosterone-ridden man by the name of Hernan Cortez. Uh, Cortez born in Medellin, Spain to a, a, a relatively wealthy family. But they're not high society. They're definitely so. He has this chip on his shoulder where he's like, "Well, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna. Everyone's gonna know the name Cortez, kind of a thing." And you find that a lot. It's uh, it's daddy issues are plaguing some of the people on this show. Okay, that's fair to say, Coons. <laughs> so he um, he goes ahead. He goes on this uh, expedition over to uh, Cuba. He wants to become his own man. He wants to make a name for himself. And he's petitioning this guy Velasquez nonstop, endlessly for promotions and helping him out with anything he can. The two of them actually hit it off. They're pretty good buddies, okay? Until they start having a little bit of a riff because uh, Cortez is getting popular with the men because the men are like, you know, it's like um, you have the big boss who has to run everything. And then you have the, the manager who's underneath him that wants everybody to like him kind of a thing. So it's like Velasquez will sit there. Velasquez, by the way, quickly becomes the governor of Cuba too. So that, that's a pretty good job to have. The governor yeah, of Cuba. He's appointed, he's appointed governor by the king, so mm -hmm. I mean, he's got he's got friends in higher places. Totally. And Cortez sees this, and he's like, uh, you know, he starts, because Cortez is big on making these speeches. There's like a lot of bravado. It's almost like Rex Ryan with the Jets. And he's like, oh, no, we're not as good as that team up in New England, but we're going to find out who's got the better fans. And then the fans all go nuts for Rex Ryan. But uh, he's got a lot of bravado. And you can – bravado works until it doesn't. You know what I mean? Once you get the shit kicked out of you, you can't make the good speeches anymore. But here's the funny thing. Cortez, popular with the guys, military guy, smart guy. 
all right? And he is, like we said, Captain Testosterone. So uh, he wants to lead a mission into what uh, they're referring to as uh, Mexico. Uncle Paul, are you familiar with Mexico? I've never been there, but uh, I've had their jumping beans. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, they want to go over into Mexico. And the idea is, and by the way, this, this collision of the worlds between Spain and Mexico, still to this day. I mean, there's Spanish names on almost everything there. Uh, the two cultures literally married each other. I mean, they, there is so much. The indigenous people who were, at the time, I'm going to throw to you here in a second, LP. You had uh, the three major tribes of kind of the Mesoamericans. Okay. Were the uh, Incas, who were over in Peru mostly. Okay. Very sophisticated culture. The Mayans, who were a motorcycle gang from Sons of Anarchy. <laughs> Great spin-off. <It's>, uh, <laughs> and then, um, uh, of course, the Mayans, a very sophisticated culture as well. You know you're good when we're still using your calendar, okay? You haven't been around in centuries, but we're still using, your, still calendar. using your calendar. That's solid, man. Uh, that's something that you developed completely independently of what was going on in the rest of the world. So. Yeah, yeah. It's a lot of wheels, a lot of doomsdays, all sorts of stuff. And then, of course, the people we're going to talk about today are the Aztecs. But, LP, what do you got for us on that? Well, the the three major uh, great civilizations of uh, of Mesoamerica are the uh, the Aztecs, the Maya, and the uh, the Inca. Now, a lot of times I think we kind of blend all three of those together as as one, but that's not the case. There's really three separate geographic locations for them. The uh, the Incas were more on the western edge um, of South America. Um, vast territory up and down the, the, the uh, as I say, the Pacific side of uh, South America. Uh, the Maya were more in um, the Caribbean section of Mexico, um, Central America, and then the Aztecs um, were more Central uh, Mexico. I just want to make sure that we, we get one thing. It's uh, Aztec, not Aztec, Uncle Paul. I can see you already, the minds at work here. So. You see the smoke coming out of my ears? <laughs> So you got these three, uh, all different cultures, very sophisticated, like you said, LP. Do you have anything else on no, that? No, and also it's not all one time period. They're kind of separated by right. hundreds of years before uh, A.D. You know, well, it's like that you have the BC, Greeks. AD. Yeah, the Greeks, and then their culture gets taken over by uh, the, the Romans pretty much adopt them, right? And then uh, when Rome falls, then the, uh, the, the German tribes adopt Roman ways. It's very – it's always yeah. weird that way. But uh, – a lot of cool stuff going on over here. So Cuba's got to be a popping time here in the 1500s. And uh, our boy uh, wants to go over to Mexico. Cuba's not good enough for Hernan Cortez. He's not making a name for himself here. Well, Cortez was a, a, an up-and-comer within, within Cuba. He I was mean, the secretary to the governor, that, I think. Yeah, uh, he, uh, he was like the number, number two guy right. f of Cuba and was one of the f a rich guy in his own part, um, one of the first to have cattle in, in Cuba. So, I mean, he's... He's making a name for himself, but all of the Spanish colonies at that time, wherever they might have been, Hispaniola, Hispaniola is pretty much <laughs> the Badlands. I mean, they've already decimated that area, mm -hmm. and, uh, raping and plundering and pillaging and everything else. And uh, um, the recycling center that is, maybe. yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, Cuba is now like the mainstay. It's like the main jumping-off point to go on and, and discover new areas and all of the Spanish colonies have got gold fever. I mean, when they figure out that, hey, there could be vast riches, and there's reports coming in that there's vast riches, just go a little further west, go a little further west from Cuba, and you're going you're gonna to come into some, some 
vast amounts of, of gold. So, I mean, hey, that's, well, that's worth the trip. Yeah, there's story. Now, we always said this, too, but Buzz Aldrin, pretty great guy, right, as far as we all know. Buzz Aldrin, solid dude, American hero. But if he landed on the moon and little moon people came up to him and started giving him uh, moon diamonds, how quickly till Buzz turns heel? You know what I mean? <laughs> and just goes, all right, it's time. I got I, I to gotta find out what this is all about, man. He was a Montclair dude. That's <laughs> what you expect. Holy shit, that's our Jersey tie-in for the week. Buzz Aldrin, the pride of Montclair, New Jersey. <laughs> Uncle Paulie, under fire. So, uh, uh, Before you continue, I just had a quick question. Around this time period, it's a little off topic, but is this around the same time that like the legend of like El Dorado came around? Uh, it, it plays into a factor here. It Absolutely. does, okay. Yeah. So. Yeah, and crossing from Cuba to the uh, to Yucatan, we're only talking like 120 miles, so, which is nothing. After coming across the Atlantic Ocean from you know from Spain to Cuba, to go another 120 miles, that's like nothing. So yeah, they can row that. Yeah. <laughs> Again, uh, the, the Yucatan here. also uh, it's part of um, Ponce de Leon's discovery over in uh, the whole Florida connection, everything. But the thing, uh, by the way, thank God that they brought cattle over to uh, Hispaniola and then also to South America. Have you guys ever eaten at an Argentinian steakhouse? Sure. <laughs> I went to one in Tampa. I was in Tampa for comedy gigs. I ate there uh, on a, a Friday afternoon, and it was so good I went back on a Saturday afternoon. It was incredible. You wouldn't think you would have a, a flank steak and an uh, espresso, but for some reason it worked. Mm. Okay. Fantastic food. I, I don't know what they do over there, but it's the best food on earth. Probably all the spices and everything, too. That's a huge draw in order to get you know these explorers because now you're going to bring back cool spices that you know the the women and uh, and it just society in general is fascinated by all that stuff. So there's definitely a call between the gold lust, the expansion of new territory, uh, p- potential spices, being an astronaut of sorts. Uh, our boy Cortez is petitioning endlessly to get there. Now him and uh, Velasquez, they're boys until they're not. Okay, they have a little bit of a beef that. Uh, Velasquez starts to have a hard time with uh, Cortez because Cortez is uh, fooling around with this girl who happens to be the sister-in-law to Velasquez. And uh, the argument was that he was toying with her emotions. You know, uh, he doesn't really love her. Now, one sign that potentially he did not, you know, have faithful intentions for uh, this poor Catalina sister was that uh, he was also banging one of her other sisters. (laughs) Wait, this this man's Dominican, right? (laughs) It's a two percent. That sounds about right. <laughs> oh, cool. That's the best joke you've ever fired on the show, dude. New high watermark. Uh, that was one of the uh, one, do one of the funniest things. Uh, there was a, a girl I went out with a couple times who was uh, Dominican, and she said, um, "I was asking her like about her family." She's go, I was like, "What's your dad?" Like, she goes, "Classic Dominican," and I was like, "Oh, what does that mean?" She goes, "I don't know." <laughs> so, do you ever yeah. go out with a Jewish girl? Uh, not on this podcast. Yeah, I went out. With, well, <laughs> And, you know, we were saying goodnight in the doorway, and she said, would you like to touch my mezuzah? And I did. She slapped the shit out of me. I didn't know it was that prayer thing. I, <laughs> I didn't know what she meant. Uh, uh, well, oh, I just shit. lost SNL, guys. Yeah. <laughs> there goes our Lakewood yeah. audience. <laughs> I had reports that uh, Cortez was addicted to women and to gambling. So, I mean, he's, uh, he, the, tes- <laughs> the testosterone thing uh, is, I think, pretty much on point there. He is a pisser, man. Um, so he winds up, uh, he makes things right. So the girl who is the sister-in-law to uh, Velasquez, uh our boy Cortez announces his intentions to marry her. He wants to bring honor to her. And a big part of that is going to be this big expedition that he's been planning for in Mexico. Now, 
he originally gets the go-ahead. And um, Yeah, Velasquez originally gives him the go-ahead and to take uh, a couple of ships and about 300 men and, uh, you know, go, go for it, man. Go find what you can. And bring it, bring it back to me to, to bring it back to Cuba, and then I'll send it back home to uh, to Spain. But it goes back to that thing of the uh, you got Velasquez is calling the shots, but Mister Popularity is Hernan Cortez. Right. All right. So Captain Testosterone has a lot of followers. This expedition gets pretty big. How big did it wind up getting? Do you have the numbers on that? I'll pick. Uh, I don't, but I, I, I Cortez really starts making all these preparations, and Velasquez quickly realizes that hey, this thing is getting bigger than what I had envisioned and tries to call it off. I think he tries to pull Cortez back. Six ships, 300 men. That was the initial stuff. That's a a sizable force today, by the way. And then sends uh, uh, orders um, to relieve Cortez of his command. But Cortez's (laughs) brother-in-law has the messenger from Velasquez killed. (laughs) He kills him. And then delivers the, uh, the the orders directly to Cortez, and they they uh, take off. They do they do the skedaddle before anything can be done about it. That Cortez, they're, they're how are you, discovered. man? Hey, I got a quick message from Velasquez. He says that oh, big up? thing you're planning, yeah. uh, it might not actually go off like you want it to. So really, uh, is that your brother? What's he got a knife for? What a- <laughs> oh, son of a bitch! <laughs> yeah, routine six. Yeah, that's a <laughs> <laughs> there you go. So um, anyway, uh, he now immediately sets sail. They kill the messenger, and he pretends he never got the order, and he sets out in legitimate open mutiny. Okay, imagine again going back to our NASA thing. They called off, and Aldrin just goes, I'm "Going into business for myself." All right? <laughs> right, 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 right. And he takes you know Apollo Eleven up on his own. He, he takes the American flag off of it and just slaps like a Buzz Cola logo on this. <laughs> so. He gets up there, man. Um, they immediately set sail, like we said, and they arrive over in Mexico. Now, uh, they land. They cross, of course, the Gulf of Mexico. They land on, I guess we're going to call it the east coast of Mexico over there. Is that fair to say, LP? Yeah. So they land over here. Now, we saw the map, Uncle Paul. I thought it was pretty cool. Where he lands, uh, it's it's probably a good area. But uh, it's all like that coastal stuff, too. When we hear Mexico as the United States... We think of our shared southern border along, you know, uh, Texas and Arizona and all that stuff out there in New Mexico. Um, a huge chunk of Mexico is like the most beautiful section of the world you've ever seen. So this is probably where these guys are landing. And uh, it's hard to argue with the, the landscape, um, but they got to move around a little bit. So he winds up moving uh, up the shore. And uh, again, uh, my dad pointed this out to me. It was probably in order to uh, distract the people who might be coming for him from Cuba, the Spanish military guys that might be getting sent after him, which does happen later on. So you land an open rebellion, you arrive in a new country that could be hostile to you, and your old country is coming for you. I mean, this is, I know we said uh, classic Dominican, Kahuna had to say that, but (laughs) this also sounds like some Irish bullshit here, too, where it's, uh, (laughs) I'm going to the new world where they don't like me, so I can get away from the old world where they don't like me. But they they arrive over here, and uh, they start moving up the coast a little bit. Now, I thought this was ballsy as hell. He immediately establishes the town of Veracruz, okay? So they built up this little town, and um, I thought it was a, a piss or two. Now, these emissaries from uh, who's going to eventually be this week's American loser, the uh, Aztec emperor, Montezuma, all right? Very, very famous guy. Uh, Uncle Paulie knows more about him uh, in his later years than... Uh, <laughs> yeah, he's the shits. It's... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> So uh, Montezuma, now the emperor of uh, this incredible uh, uh, kingdom of uh, 
let's try to pronounce this. Let's do this as nice as two Irish boys in Italian. And uh, actually, Kahuna, you're everything. So maybe you can help us out here. On yeah, this. I'm. <laughs> you are. You are. You are literally five percent everything. I've never met anybody quite like you. Dominican and Irish. <laughs> That's why I was cringing when you said that earlier. I was like, fuck. (laughs) Well, uh, my kids are probably going to be Dominican and Irish. Let's face that. At least you know. So you can prepare. Let's see if we can't get I'm going to scroll up here because I actually had to phonetically write this out. So Montezuma, Montezuma, all right, Mm -hmm. has uh, a – he's the emperor of the Aztec kingdom that its capital city is uh, uh, Tenochtitlan, okay? Tenochtitlan. Uh, and it is Tenochtitlan. Yeah, it we is. We get some tickets to Tenochtitlan. <laughs> <laughs> Fast yeah. acting Tenochtitlan. <laughs> That's right. It's curious. That's where all the best but... gambling is. <laughs> so uh, this is where it gets um, wild real quickly. He sends these emissaries over. Okay. Um, so the Aztecs are thought to be the most advanced people of the New World. Uh, like we said, we're still using their calendar. Their ruins still exist. Okay, these are we still fe- feel we still fear their doomsdays. Uh, very much so. Every year, it seems like it's getting closer. And um, yeah, now Tenochtitlan is a little further inland. You're you're yeah. We're kind of painting a picture here that it's along the coast. It's not. It's further right, inland. Right. Right. The so. emissaries from Montezuma because they have a very into. Uh, it's a solid spy unit that they have. He's aware of. There's good intel being collected here. Yeah. When he first lands on the coast of of Mexico, though, he's getting reports from those local people that um, you know here, here's some little trinkets and beads they give them a gold mask and that kind of stuff it's like okay we're, we're doing good here so mm-hmm. far because the first contact these people are giving us gold and they're saying well here's some gold and some other little baubles um, but you really don't want us you want the people that are further in that's where the real money is that's where the real gold is so now these emissaries from Montezuma arrive, like you said, LP. And yeah, they, they, they got know even that, better shit. Yeah, they so. know that the Spanish are, are coming, and they and Montezuma then now sends a, an emissary to meet the Spanish away from their capital city, away from Tenochtitlan. So they uh, now, like you said, it's also further inland. So this is like a, a quite an arduous uh, trek they're about to have to make here if they do want to get to this uh, fabled city of the Aztecs. And um, I thought this was interesting. Here is, here's where Cortez gets covered. Um, depending on who's doing the biography on him, he's either Captain Testosterone, uh, a, a madman, a, a murderous madman who no regard for human life, or he's this like incredible hero. And the truth is somewhere in the middle. He had a, a set of balls on him. All right, like you were saying, Uncle Paul, he's going into space. So he's a wild guy. Um, and, and part of the difficulty too, though, is historical records. I mean, you're you're getting the reports of the guys who won. So Fake is it news. a Spanish report? <laughs> <laughs> All right, it, there's a, there's a Spanish interpretation. There's the indigenous peoples interpretation, which they didn't really have the the records that that the Spanish yeah, did. We're going to talk about that in a second. And then you're too. throwing in the uh, the religious monks and stuff who might be reporting it but writing it down in Latin, not in Spanish. Mm-hmm. And they're going with the whole, you know, we're going to convert the indigenous people to Christianity. So we're we're doing God's, God's work here kind of a thing. So <laughs> there's all that. different viewpoints, all different angles coming at this at the same time. You and want a shout-out from the Pope, man. That's the, what they're always going where, for. Where the truth lies is uh, it's, a little, it's a little mixed. So... Uh, Tenochtitlan is going to be uh, – That's obviously has Cortez's interest. This Emperor Montezuma is out there. Uh, 
sophisticated people. Cortez is loving the gold that they're giving him. He goes, oh, these are very nice gifts. I would like more of them. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, right. I would like all of them. I would like to find the source. So he decides that he's going to uh, head inland, fast inland. So he's still on the coast at this point. And um, Uncle Paul, um, I've gone on a couple of car rides with you as a kid growing up, you know. Um, and uh, I thought we weren't going to talk about this. <laughs> <laughs> you, uh, you once told me, you said, uh, uh, I'll leave you here. And uh, we were on a hunting trip at your uh, hunting club. Uh, we, we, I think we were just shooting guns in the woods. And you pretty much told me that uh, I was a little kid. And you were like, I'm going to leave you here. And I was like, no, you're not. My parents are going to come look for you. He goes, yeah, but that's not for hours, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> Run fast. (laughs) (laughs) So one way to persuade you to get in the car uh, is to make a threat like that. I got in the car fast, okay? Um, But one way to encourage your men who maybe, you know, aren't completely aware that they're uh, sailing away with you from Cuba was an act of open mutiny. Uh, Maybe they want to stay on the coast where they're enjoying themselves. Uh, They want to go back to Spain eventually someday, hopefully. One way to do things is to... uh, Burn the boats. Yeah. There's no going back Sink the now. ships. Now, there's, contra- there's reports on this, too. The, some people say that he beached the ships. Uh, his actual – this is where Cortez is a trip. He lies to the king directly. Um, he finds out about uh, Tenochtitlan, okay, and Montezuma, and he sends one of his ships back to Spain immediately. Don't go to Cuba. Go to Spain and deliver this message to King Charles that I, Hernan Cortez – have declared all of this for the crown of Spain. Right. Well, Next. if you just killed Velasquez's messenger, oh, yeah. you don't want to send your messenger back to Cuba. Let's go directly back to uh, Yeah, let's, let's usurp him, if you will. Right. Just go right over his head, right. and we'll stay away and from Velasquez. And there's guys within Cortez's army, if you will, that still have uh, allegiance to Velasquez back in Cuba. So oh, yeah, it's, it's Belichick to, Parcells, man. So to try to... Uh, um, waylay any any possible further mutiny here. Let's uh, sink the ships. Let's destroy the ships, whether they're burnt or sunk or however. Right. But there's no, there's no going back. So it's either you're with us or you're dying here. So, so he sends the ship back, and then he lies in the. Uh, he says, "Well, the reason I had to get rid of the ships was because uh, they were covered in uh, uh, worms. Worms were eating the ship. That's a good thing, right?" Uncle Paul, you ever trash a car, and then um, you know it's your fault in the accident, and then you just say some asshole came out of nowhere. <laughs> Something like that. Not exactly <laughs> like that, but I got away with I even got away with going through red light because I read Superman comic books. And you know, when you sneeze, you shut your eyes. Well, he did that trick when he was changing his clothes one time. So I told the cop, I said, you know, I was coming down the street, I was coming towards the light, but I sneezed and I shut my eyes like you do. And I don't know. And he said, you know, you're right. And he let me go. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that cop, uh, he, it was weird. He also investigated the uh, Lindbergh kidnapping, so not, <laughs> not a sharp guy. Not a sharp guy. Allergies. He was sneezing a lot. <laughs> so uh, Cortez and the boys now are going to head deep into uh, Aztec territory over here. Now, um, we were talking about what a sophisticated language the Aztecs have. When you see, um, when you see a Spanish you know, uh, name in Mexico for a town or anything like that, like Veracruz or uh, you know, Medellin, I know that's in uh, Colombia, but... Um, you can see the Spanish influence on stuff. Now, the native indigenous people, they still have their thumbprint on everything. So that's like when you see a town with like 13 X's in the name. Okay, that's like the indigenous Aztec, Mayan, Incan type language. So they got some wild shit over here. But uh, in order to cross the language barrier, 
um, what Cortez is finding is that the Aztecs, everybody is in awe of them, but they're not very popular. Okay, it's kind of like the Patriots. We understand the Patriots are the best, but there's a lot of people that hate them. Yeah, there's a lot of outlying territories away from the capital, you know, or leading up to the capital that uh, the Incas are are plundering and uh, making them pay homage and taxes and sacrifices. Right. Human now, sacrifices. Now you said Incas too. I just want to make sure everybody's on board with this. Well, I'm sorry. I said Incas. It's, yeah, I so just did it myself. The Aztecs are making people pay out these taxes. You don't want to do that shit. Uh, they're bullying people. They're enslaving some people. And uh, what Cortez is finding is that if he goes, uh, hey, you know those bullies? They're not going to bully you anymore. I'm going to bully you now. <laughs> right. So Cortez is here. Um, and he's almost seen as a, as a hero to a lot of these uh, uh, indigenous people who are not fans of the Aztecs. They're like, oh, finally, you know, it's like an election year almost. So as he's storming through these towns, if they're sympathetic to Montezuma, then he raids the town, takes everything he wants from them. Uh, but if he has a chance to turn them into allies, he's now got, with his conquistador force, um, he's now got uh, indigenous people fighting alongside him. So it's almost like he's this fake great reformer that's coming through. Selling out arenas. Like, <laughs> it's, it's a crazy time, man. And for the Aztecs, too, when, they, when Montezuma sent that emissary to meet the Spanish along the coast before they got to the capital city, um, Cortez put on a big display with the with all these conquistadors on horseback and riding back and forth right. with, with bells uh, going and flashing their shiny swords and then firing off, uh, you know, these large cannon and stuff. The the, the big boom boom sticks were were coming like holy crap. Mm -hmm. And we did that just for the Kahuna, by the way. It was a uh, Muppet Treasure Island? <laughs> oh, you when son the, of when a the bitch. natives all surround him at the <laughs> end. And go, right. We did not know you had boom boom, boom sticks. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> right. So, yes, they do have the boom sticks. they got these uh, shining arm and all that other stuff. And the early emissaries that are giving this info back to Montezuma are like, uh, Monty, we got to talk. All right. I got, we're talking about 10 feet tall. All right. Uh, these guys have two heads and six feet. They did not realize that the Spaniards, the conquistadors, and their horses were not one. And all we got are rocks. Yes. So. <laughs> uh, bows, and, bows and arrows, but yeah. And then the whole um, Aztec religion was multi-gods, but one of the really big ones um, had a sense of foreboding that he was in charge of uh, um, the land and the sea. He was a... Uh, um, Is this Quetzalcoatl? Uh, yeah. The, the feathered the, serpent? The feathered serpent. <laughs> and that whole thing, the feathered, that if you can fly through the air, you're, you're pretty special. And the serpent is you're actually, you're, you're controlling the, the land as well. So um, uh, Coetzalcoatl is a, a, one of the main deities to the, uh, to the Aztec religion. I hope the listeners at home appreciate the phonetic pronunciation on my father's legal pad to make sure that we <laughs> we're get, trying here we're trying the guy so who barely got through spanish one yeah, in high school yeah. so. lynette paladino if you're listening we need you all right <laughs> come on in help us out with some of I this apologize. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> so but uh yeah so that's interesting too we're gonna get to that when we have this this meeting this world's colliding moment here shortly um but uh, one thing that Cortez is great at is uh, kind of reading the people. And he's figuring out, like I said, I can get these people to go against the Aztecs. I'm getting all this good info on them. Um, the two people that are influential in helping him. One is a uh, Franciscan friar that was taken captive uh, by the Aztecs. I think he's actually taken captive by the Mayans because he spoke both Mayan, uh, Aztec, and then, of course, he's a friar. So he's going to speak Latin and then also uh, uh, Spanish. 
So he's able to communicate with Cortez and kind of tell him, yeah, they're a little bit wild over here. Here's what you're in store for. Um, enter, uh, they always say, behind every great man is a great woman, right? Well, uh, behind uh, Hernan Cortez is a woman who is known as uh, Mal- La Malenche. Okay. I might be ruining that, La Malenche, but um, her name literally uh, is known for uh, being traitorous or disloyal. Okay. Uh, now, she is sold as a slave and uh, actually works her way up. She's got a high position in uh, you know, Cortez's uh, favor, if you will, because uh, she, she's a little bit of everything for him. She speaks Mayan and Aztec. Uh, she learned Spanish in order to be able to communicate more effectively for Cortez. Uh, she knows the back roads. She knows the geopolitical climate. And they're fucking. <laughs> right. All right. Now, the kids that and he she has actually with her, came to Cortez by uh, a presentation of... Uh, the people that, you know, Cortez did have a battle with some of the locals mm-hmm. and kicked the shit out of the locals, uh, like 400 uh, warriors. Um, and then in submission, um, they were given uh, gifts to the Spanish, which included 20 women to uh, help uh, cook and, and serve to them. And one of them was this, um, you pronounce it. La Malenche. All right. I might be go. wrong, but I have been told I enunciate well for a white boy. So. Okay. You have to be much shorter to pronounce these names. But she was. Mamalente. <laughs> but she was. Yeah, right. You kind of put the that attitude on. But well, I um, think there's still a thing in Mexico, by the way, that when a, uh, a, a Mexican girl uh, dates a non-Latino, right. right? That you know uh, that they're called uh, malachinista. I think. Yeah. So that is your thing of like uh, you know, it's it explains some of the dirty looks I got at Club Forty Six a couple of times on salsa night. Um, <laughs> But what were you saying, LP? <laughs> no, that's uh, that's pretty good. Oh, and she was also able to speak a couple of different languages, like you said, mm-hmm. and, and became like a, an interpreter. But the difficulty was is that Cortez would have to speak to somebody who spoke Spanish, and then that particular interpreter would then speak to this woman, and then that woman would speak to him. So you were going through a number what of different What a terrible game of telephone, yeah, right? Yeah, absolutely, a- <laughs> absolutely. So uh, now Montezuma is uh, it, it's weird too. Like you were saying, we have different sources for him. Like uh, Uncle Paul, I know you as uh, my lovable uncle, one of the, the great guys I've ever met, the funniest dude I've ever met. Um, some people out there, if asked about you, would probably say, "Oh, that old douchebag." Yeah, a lot of so, them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So depending on who you talk Don't be to, you, you get by different... popular opinion. Yeah, it's make up your own minds. We're independent listeners here to a shared universe, but uh... <laughs> so. Uh, de- Free thinkers. Yeah, de- depending on who you talk to, you're gonna get a different story about Montezuma. There's a lot of people that say he was uh, inept. Um, if you're a fan of Cortez or you were a friend of his, you would play him up as kind of stupid. Uh, and then there's other people who are like, no, this was a pretty sophisticated ruler. By the way, he was known as Montezuma II in the history books. I thought this was cool. I think it's called like a, a regnal number or something like that. But it's uh, what we assign numbers to rulers. So if there's King Charles the you know fifth or whatever or Henry the eighth to differentiate yeah <laughs> so uh, they assigned him the number in the history books because uh, it was almost like the the ruler was always named Montezuma so it's like Baconator son of Baconator kind of a thing <laughs> um, but uh, a little shout out to my buddy Billy Barnwell with that they, one. they said he was a philosopher and he knew a lot of crap man mm-hmm. smart guy good ruler uh, he's respected by the people too but uh, the Aztecs were not always kind to these uh, other tribes like we said. 
This is cool. I knew this from my uh, Native American Studies class at Brookdale Community College, taught by Professor Jess Levine, who I'm sure is so proud of this podcast. <laughs> he goes, I just wish you wouldn't talk about balls so much. Um, well, the, the Aztecs were big on slavery, and they were also infamous for uh, human sacrifices. Okay, mm -hmm. That was the joke I made earlier that I, I once tweeted at D.L. Hughley that was not well received, was a... Uh, uh, on this Indigenous People's Day, I'm going to celebrate the traditional manner by sacrificing a virgin to appease the sun. <laughs> and the humor was lost. Um, but they yeah, had that a, all goes back to their to re, their religious beliefs mm -hmm. with the Coetzalcoatl that um, if you sacrifice um, a human sacrifice, that's to appease that particular god. So, because there was a lot of uh, well we might call them prophets or soothsayers or whatever that were predicting that this guy is going to come back, this God is going to come back and wipe out all mankind or at least all the Aztecs. Um, so they would have the occasional sacrifice to appease him. And now they're getting reports from the emissary that he sent to meet the Spanish that these guys are badass. I mean, they got shiny weapons and they got the boom boom sticks and all this kind of stuff, <laughs> and they're coming. They're they're on the way. So, yeah. <laughs> well, uh, now they have a ball game that, uh, and uh, get your mind out of the gutter, Uncle Paul. Um, they have a ball game that the Aztecs are known for playing, and it's pretty cool. It had a, a pretty sophisticated, it was a good set of rules to it. They said. Uh, but we don't know too much because, like you said, the language is – it's always differentiated. It's like using Google Translate to try to you know, speak to somebody. Um, but they have this ball game. It's a little tiny court, and uh, there's some people that said that it was uh, – it was almost like a, a, a primitive form of basketball where there's a little hole that you have to put the ball through. And it's on a court, and there's teams, and the teams play against each other. Now, depending on who you talk to on this one, there's some people that believe – that uh, it was done by the slaves. If you were held captive, you could play this ball game. And if you uh, if you lost the ball game, you then got sacrificed. Okay. But then there's this weird thing where if you're going to make a human sacrifice, what's more honorable to the gods, the losers the loser of the or game the or the winner of the game? <laughs> so now it's like, congratulations, you won primitive ball game. What's my prize? Um, you're not going to like the prize. Uh, <laughs> so Can I, like I see door it. number two instead? Yeah. <laughs> and you what know was, what they use for a ball, right? Oh, no. Well, suffice it to say, getting head is where that came from. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dirty on a Sunday morning. I'm loving it. Put the uh, head through uh, the hole. So there, there were rumors of that that there were severed heads that were bouncing, but there was also uh, it, it was um, it wasn't as big as a basketball, but it was like a uh, almost like a shot put that these guys were messing around with. Uh, but I always picture it too. If you find out that the winner of the game uh, is the one who gets human sacrificed, mm. just picture LeBron James just like not even looking, just missing free throws. Not so, <laughs> I'm not trying to go up on that pyramid, but. Um, so it's pretty cool. Now, other people say that it was um, it was actually pretty sophisticated and that you were not part of the human sacrifice. It was like a thing you'd bring pride to. So it was like, you know, um, point is... Uh, be proud in your sacrifice. Right. Yeah, so up in Boston, this primitive ball game would be a time-honored tradition. And then here, we would just have a bunch of dead New York Knicks. So <laughs> I mean, you wouldn't want to see your still-beating heart as they showed it to you. Kalima. <laughs> I have to watch that later. Um but, yeah, the Aztecs have a pretty strong military, by the way. Now, they don't have uh, – they, they never hit iron, so they were never going to be like uh, – they weren't really using gold for weapons and stuff either. Uh, so they, they had relatively primitive weapons when compared to uh, the, the Spaniards, the uh, conquistadors here. But uh, I thought this was interesting. They, they have very quality uh, organizing skills. 
and the guards and the scouts are keeping Montezuma and the Aztecs pretty well informed of uh, Cortez's efforts here. Um, which, by the way, I'm realizing I don't ever want to give away Kahuna's real name, but I think is uh, I think Cortez. You, there might be some lineage to you. You might be an ancestor of Hernan Cortez. Oh God! Well, because it's he's got five percent of everything. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's the most work Ancestry.com's ever had to do. With. There's no way. <laughs> How are you Dominican and Sephardic Jewish? This makes no sense. <laughs> so uh, I am a mutt of a human being. But uh, now Cortez is obsessed with this idea of uh, the riches he might be able to get from these guys. So now uh, he is declaring everything for the king. Okay, he's trying to earn the, the love back from uh, King Charles over in Spain. And he makes his way over to uh, Tenochtitlan to go meet Montezuma. And this is the part of the story at the 55-minute mark where we have the, uh, the, the worlds colliding, if you will. Okay. Um, I always like to picture, I think the funniest worlds colliding thing is you have the, uh, the Irish building the railroads from the East Coast and the Chinese building the railroads from the West Coast to build the transcontinental railroad that's all going to come together here. Just imagine the conversation when those two labor parties came together. <laughs> and there's, you know, I don't, I don't know what he's saying either. I'm not sure. Okay, well, this is great. Uh, all right, have you guys seen... Uh, <laughs> I gotta be careful now with the jokes, man. I don't want to lose anything. Um, so I'm just going to stop. <laughs> but uh, they arrive in uh, Tenochtitlan. And like we said, big show of things. Armor, uh, pointy beards, all right? Uh, Uncle Paulie looks like the Dos Equis guy. Uh, so that's what I picture Cortez as. He shows up with his, uh, his pale skin and his nice pointy beard, and the people there think they're seeing Quetzalcoatl. Or at least his Quetzalcoatl's emissary. That, right. Uh, that this is like the forerunner to the, the big guy showing up. So oh, this totally. Is, this is just the, uh, the lead-in to uh, the doomsday prophecies that have been going on for a long time now to the, uh, to the Aztec culture. Right, and like we said, too, they think that um, they, they don't understand that the horses, because there's no horses in America yet. They're brought over by the Spanish. Right. So uh, now you're seeing these giant beasts that these guys are riding. They have armor on, the boom, boom, six. I mean, it's intimidating, dude. This is alien shit, okay? You should be seeing, like, close encounters of the third kind or whatever should be happening right now. you got to remember, they had, like, capes over the back of the horse, so you couldn't see them. I didn't even think of that. You're yeah. right. That's, now, you yeah. look at a guy on a horse with a cape draped behind the horse, and you're looking at him from behind. You're convinced that's all one person. <laughs> right. I could I could totally see why I would be fooled. I'll put it that way. The best way they could really describe it to Montezuma was that it's like men sitting on top of very large deer because that's the only thing that they could, you know, parallel that to, that these guys are, are badass and they're, they're on their way. And you got to see the crap these guys make. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, now I think one of the things we ought to point out too is that yeah, it is the conquistadors that are on their way to, you know, capture all of this gold and, and plunder and everything else. But he, uh, Cortez also has the ability to gather up some of the surrounding um, cities, city-states on his way because everybody is paying homage to or uh, paying taxes to Montezuma. And they're not really happy with it. And like they have to send, they have to send sacrifices and taxes and everything else. So if Cortez is promising he better takes all days, our good ball players. right? If, he's, <laughs> if he, if you team up with us, we're going to take care of you. And you know, so it wasn't just an army of the Spanish. He was also had a lot of the indigenous people that really didn't get along with the Aztecs to begin with. So totally. Um, 
It's so, it's an it's an army. You combine all that with this prophecy we're talking about about Quetzalcoatl here, the feathered serpent, um, and then also little side note too, uh, the men of Cortez, whenever they were, um, are taking over a, a little section, they knock out all the the idols, you know, that the religion of the people there, and they replace it with pictures of the Virgin Mary, so the Guadalupe or whatever it is. Right. Uh, yeah, that's. Um, that becomes a, a big, big thing for all of them. So it's like, I always noticed that all my buddies who were um, Mexican in the Navy, they always had uh, the, the Virgin Mary tattooed on them. So that they're big on uh, the iconography, I suppose. But um, they're doing all this stuff. Here comes the fight of the century. In one corner, you have Captain Testosterone himself. In the other corner, uh, Chief Supreme Montezuma himself. We're going to call him Monty for uh, <laughs> the benefit of the story <laughs> Like I said, the Aztec language, very, very complex here. Uh, so these discussions between Montezuma and Cortez are tough to explain. The Aztec uh, upper echelon, you know, you know how we make fun of wasps, how wasps speak? Uncle Paul, can you do a wasp voice for us or no? Absolutely not. <laughs> I said wasp. Jesus. What, what? I know what that was. It was not wasp. It's like, oh, uh, hello, uh, oh, Paul, the Italian fellow from down the street. Oh, that's very, very good, very good. <laughs> And uh, let me know when you're finished with the windows. But uh, so that's kind of what we make fun of for the, the upper echelon accent. The Aztecs had almost a different language depending on what class of, uh, you know, caste system you were. So, uh, again, you have to have an interpreter from the upper, the 1%, if you will, of the Aztecs. You have to have an interpreter who can speak both the laborer language and the upper echelon language. That's how, you know, ridiculous their own language is in terms of complications. So it's really tough to know what was said, but one of the reports was that uh, Cortez uh, was seen as, like you said, Dad, either the god himself or a vessel of the god Quetzalcoatl. And uh, they, one of the lines that Montezuma supposedly uh, said was, uh, I, I hope you like what I've done with the place. We've been waiting for you to return, kind mm -hmm. of a thing. So Cortez is hearing that. He's not fully aware of the prophecy. He goes, oh, of course I love. Did you just give me your kingdom? <laughs> <laughs> And uh, he's, so now he thinks he's in charge, and he immediately takes over. Uh, he imprisons Montezuma, imprisons almost everybody, and takes over. Puts Tinoctil. him under house arrest. Yeah, it's uh, you know they put a little uh, bracelet on him. He's hanging out with Lohan. It's a mess. But I mean, drinking they, oh, tequila. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, when they first arrived at the city, it's like, oh my God, they were they were absolutely stunned with the towers and the and the and the displays, the shops, the uh, you know you can buy gold jewelry and stuff at the. At, the, at downtown and you know <laughs> the brick and mortar yeah. you don't have to go online to be buying all your gold and jewelry and stuff that well that's why the, the episode is called uh, There Goes the Neighborhood and There Goes the Neighborhood <laughs> so these guys show up and uh, they're absolutely stunned with the with the gold and the precious stones that are hanging around people's uh, neck you know they're just wearing it as everyday everyday jewelry type of a thing that th this is big but at the same time I think Cortez realizes that you know what we're as far as the numbers in the, in, our, in my force, we're vastly outnumbered here. So in order to try to rule these people, let's take the existing ruler, which is Montezuma, put him under house arrest, and he's going to really become the puppet ruler. I'm, I'm pulling yes. the strings yeah. as to what's going because on. Because it doesn't matter how good your people. technology is, you can still, as the uh, the Ethiopians proved to the Nazis in World War II, yeah. flintlock muskets are still guns. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, 
But interesting stuff with that, too. Uh, Monty uh, spends most of his days uh, literally worrying himself to death about the well-being of his kingdom. There's a lot of people that try to portray him as like a savage, and the Spanish are good at this. They use human sacrifices. They get out of jail free card for everything. And they're like, did you enslave the ruler of a kingdom and all of his people? Yeah, but let's sacrifice. Hear, hear me out, okay? They were sacrificing people. So that's their go-to thing where it's like, well, he sacrificed someone, you know, like two kids, you know, arguing back and forth with their parents. <laughs> but uh, it's pretty wild here. So now... Uh, no, he- Mina Cortez just slaughtered, you know, hundreds of people on his way to um, the capital city that, uh, you know, well, that's 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 different. What's that, that line that from was- uh, Josie Wales? Not a hard man to find. Leaves dead men wherever he goes. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, the, the whole sacrifice, the human sacrifice too, that's going against the whole um, converting to Christianity kind of a thing too. So um, that, that's not going to be a thing. And, but by him trying to clamp down on... This barbarian religion where they sacrifice people. Get over here with us normal people and eat our savior. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, and if you put you on a cross, it's okay. That's right, right. <laughs> I didn't mean to interrupt you. That what were you saying? No, I was. That was pretty much. I just wanted to, you know, point that out. That when you start interrupting the the local people's um, religious rights, if you will, and what do you mean we're not allowed to sacrifice people? That's going to appease our gods. Um, you know, there's there's rumblings, if you will, with the locals that uh, hey, the, these Spanish guys are really not what we hope they were going to be. They, uh, they, they seem to want to have a human sacrifice to appease their god. Any idea who we should uh, use for the human sacrifice? Oh, uh, I know a couple troublemakers. They're <laughs> very anxious to appease God. Right. So they're funny that way, but now the kingdom of Tenochtitlan and the fallen, uh, falling, I should say, it's not truly fallen yet, empire of the Aztecs, uh, is now being claimed by Cortes for the Spanish crown. King Charles back over the Catholic king, Charles over in Spain, uh, Never been to Mexico, doesn't know any Mexicans, now he owns it. Okay, kind of a weird thing. And the only information he's getting is what's being sent back to him, too, and who's sending the messages back is Cortez so, Yeah, himself. Cortez himself sending these messages about all these great things he's doing over here. Meanwhile, Velasquez is like, dude, this piece of shit Cortez is doing whatever he wants. <laughs> so now get this, Velasquez, still governor of Cuba, sends Spanish troops from Cuba to Mexico to capture and bring, uh, you know, Cortez, Cortez to, justice. to justice. Yeah, the message was like, Cortez keeps drinking all the fucking orange juice in the refrigerators. <laughs> Get this motherfucker out of here. <laughs> You're not too far off, man. So uh, <laughs> Velasquez sends those troops over. And uh, now he, he's pretty much got, like you said, that Montezuma's still a puppet ruler. Cortez is calling the shots here. Uh, he's got this giant kingdom. By the way, it was on an island. Uh, Tenochtitlan was surrounded by a moat. Uh, pretty advanced shit back then. Tonight, right. to London, it's a you know. wonderful town. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, or off to see Montezuma. <laughs> uh, again, all of this stuff. Follow the it yellow fits. brick road. It fits, man. This is. Um, see, you're not far off either. Yeah, you're the gold, right? We're going after the gold. Uh, the Emerald City. No one sees the emperor. Not no way. Not on how. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, oh, but it's pretty great. Uh, <laughs> I gotta stop, man. I really someday, someday I want this. That we we have plans for this show. Okay, I gotta be careful. Some blogger out there, uh, some piece of shit blogger is writing down everything we're saying. He's gonna make sure Uncle Paulie never works in the insurance business again. <laughs> um, but, I retired uh, like seventeen freaking years. I know, ago. and he'll make sure you stay that way. <laughs> so um, it's pretty wild here how it all works down. But. Uh, 
Montezuma is still running things. Cortez realizes that he's got Velasquez's men arriving in Mexico now. So now he has to go. Now, this is the pisser of it. This is almost like a return of the Jedi when um, he gets the Ewoks to fight alongside the rebellion. <laughs> so uh, Cortez now takes his men, okay, leaves some of them behind, takes his men and a bunch of the indigenous people and some of the Aztec warriors that he's now conquered with him to combat the Spanish. And meanwhile, the Aztecs are like, dude, man, this... I mean, you try to be progressive, but, you know, <laughs> these people, they just move in, and all they are is problems, okay? It's they bring in their blood feuds from another world we don't even know about. They're just nothing but trouble. So they get over there, and uh, Velasquez's men do not put up a good fight. Uh, Cortez kicks the shit out of them pretty quickly. Uh, so those who don't die in the fighting or retreat or escape, some defect and join Cortez. Hey, guys, uh, I know you came here to arrest me, but if you want to come back to the City of Gold... Uh, I'll let you come by. So now uh, he's thinking things are good to go. He arrives. Uh, guess what happened while he's gone, Uncle Paul? I have no idea. I wasn't there. It's a <laughs> I know I'm old, but I wasn't there. <laughs> I, see, uh, we're getting bad info now. I was told you were there, sir. That's why you're the guest on this episode. But yeah. fake news, lying about his credentials. Um, <laughs> you so, know, when, when Cortez left um, the capital city to and with an army um, to meet the Velasquez army that was coming to arrest him, he left his number two guy in charge back at the capital city. And I think that was uh, Alvarado. Pedro de Alvarado, I Alvarado. believe. Alvarado, yeah. yeah. So th doesn't this all sound like um, like a boxing event? <laughs> right. <laughs> so, but uh, yeah, he leaves him in charge and uh, he grants uh, Montezuma, because Montezuma's realizing, he was, uh, they're starting to realize the numbers advantage they do have. And now that you've split up the forces of Cortez, he's gonna go out and fight this battle again. Here's our chance to get our city back. Yeah, and the behavior of the of the Spanish while they're in the in the capital city is <laughs> not real stellar. They're not uh, shining examples. Of, no, uh, it's. Uh, so I mean, no, they, they, are you sure these guys are gods? I mean, look at the way they're behaving. It's. Uh, I don't think it's too godly. Hey, uh, honey, why is God banging all of our kids? This yeah, is a <laughs> right. And Alvarado imprisons uh, oh, two very God, important dude. leaders and. Kills several others, so you know they're not they're not making too many friends while uh, no. while Cortez is away from the from the city. So you got a chance now. Montezuma sees this. His elders are helping him out. They decided they're going to do like a first of all. There's a high feast for their religion that's coming up here, and uh, it's going to be you're going to get together the one percent, all the upper echelon people, the high society Aztec types are all going to be together. What a great place to potentially plan the overthrow of Cortez and his conquistadors. And also inspire the sense of uh, Aztec uh, uh, nationalism, if you will. Hey, guys, remember what we're doing the feast here. Like, there's nothing quite like um, a holiday to bring everybody together, okay? So um, they're going to go ahead and have this thing, uh, and they get permission from Pedro de Alvarado, who is the, uh, the deputy in charge, if you will, while Cortez is fighting Velasquez's army. And... Uh, I'm not going to say it doesn't go well, Kahuna, but this incident is known as the massacre at the Great Temple. Ah, so uh, they pretty much red wedded. Uh, <laughs> okay, yeah. they red wedded uh, the poor guys over there. The Spanish guards, their version of it was, well, there were human sacrifice, so we intervened on behalf of the human sacrifice mm. by sacrificing everybody yeah. who was in attendance. So uh, let me get this straight: you wanted to stop a murder by murdering everyone. So uh, yeah, that's good, right. good logic here. But the Aztecs tell the story of uh, they were wearing like their best, uh, you know, religious garb and their uh, jewelry and everything, and the Spanish conquistadors were just kind of bloodthirsty people. Again, the truth is somewhere in the middle. 
All right, these guys aren't pure evil, but they're not saints either. And depending on who you were talking to back then, you either got a saint or a sinner kind of portrayal. So these people get massacred here. The only people that are able to escape are able to escape by jumping over one of the walls. So it's literally like they were closing in on them. It was bad news. Montezuma is, uh, is not among the casualties for this. Um, he is now in full-blown depression here. Um, it's, uh, it gets a little bit wild. So there's this massacre that's going on. The Aztecs are now in full rebellion when Cortez returns to a city that's under siege from within. So he's got a lot of shit going on here. But uh, the Spanish, they got a trick up their sleeve, Uncle Paul. All right. Now, they got gunpowder, right? They have, mm, they absolutely. Have, they got great swords. They got horseback skills. Fantastic swords. What do you think is going to be their best weapon? The boom-boom stick. Yeah, the boom-boom <laughs> stick. Exactly. Boom-boom stick's a good one, but what, what else would you have to say? I have no idea. They boom-boom have, stick or nothing. They got, a, they got a little trick up their sleeve here, guys. They also uh, have syphilis, so. We're, we're getting there. You're yeah, getting very you're close right now. Um, disease. So they, uh, they are completely unaware of the chemical warfare they're about to conduct on the poor people of Tenochtitlan. Uh, the Aztec Empire, don't get me wrong, Cortez was a brutal guy, um, but the smallpox that one of the sailors uh, that came over from Cuba, he died on like the western shore. Um, I'm sorry, they, I think they said he died in Tenochtitlan and that he actually, uh, his body was raided by the Aztecs. They were trying to take his armor and stuff. And unfortunately, they were also taking the germs mm. with the guy who died of smallpox. Smallpox. He didn't have any Purell. <laughs> Um, yeah, Aztec Purell would have solved a lot of problems, but uh, unfortunately now these guys have no immunity to smallpox whatsoever, and this shit spreads like wildfire. So the idea of a doomsday prophecy, yeah, the horsemen of death, the conquistadors, brought three million people died from smallpox in Tenochtitlan. Yeah. Okay. The Aztecs got absolutely, I mean, it's nuts. And it all it had already wiped out... Um Many of the indigenous people, the uh, the Taino uh, Indians, were the primary uh, indigenous people of Cuba and Hispaniola and everything else. Hispaniola has already suffered ninety percent uh, fatalities to smallpox. Yeah, it's of the, just brutal of the Taino yeah. people. So, well, uh, when you they, find they're the, wiping them out, they, they had no immunity to, yeah. to any of this. When you find like, because um, uh, height wasn't a big, they weren't tall people, the um, uh, indigenous people back. So when you find like. Um, like a Spanish guy who's like five foot five or whatever, but they're, they're broad shouldered, like kind of tough look. Like a lot of the boxers, um, they are of you know descendants of the Mayans and the Aztecs. So it's just wild stuff, though, man. So this disease is destroying the city from within. Montezuma's watching his entire kingdom crumble. Okay, he's let his father down. The doomsday prophecy is here. There's people. Montezuma's death, which we're going to get into in a second, uh, is still um, a point of uh, contention, if you will. But I thought one thing worth noting is that uh, Cortez and Montezuma kind of liked each other. Cortez kind of kept him as a pet almost, like a, a household pet that he was fond of. But uh, there were stories that they would like play chess against each other and stuff like that. So there was like you know, primitive games. So they'd be like, you know, just kind of hanging out. Like if you look out the window here, you can see everything you've ever called home burning. But uh, checkmate, you know? <laughs> yeah. So... But uh, he kept him around. Now, Montezuma's death, uh, some people say that he died of uh, the smallpox, but very slowly. He kind of rotted from within. Uh, other people say that he, the, the true depression that he was in from watching his entire kingdom come to, you know, ash, uh, it slowly killed him. Where he, he lost the will to live. Uh, and then the one that hurt me the most was uh, they were saying that uh, 
and again, there's there's certain people uh, within the Aztec uh, tradition that said that the reason that uh, they did this was uh, for honor. But a lot of Aztec people got very fed up with Montezuma and the idea that he had lost the kingdom for them. So they stoned him to death. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's uh, uh, not edibles. They used giant stones and literally just crushed this guy to death. But Eve, they beat they. Now, some people were saying they did that to free him from Cortez. That they were like, you know, it was almost like uh, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna shoot a guy before uh, the fire can burn him, type of thing. Right. So uh, there was that, but then the other people were like, no, we just got, you know, he he literally handed over the keys to the kingdom, and we're all dying because of it. So Montezuma got killed by his own people. And they said it took like three days to die too, so he suffered. Oh man, can you imagine that? It's a uh, just brutal. I've had a hangover that lasted three days. I can't imagine, you know, sitting there and dying like that. But, uh, yeah, Montezuma witnessed the absolute destruction of his own people. Uh, Cortez may not have been a god, but he certainly was Armageddon. Doomsday arrived. Um, Montezuma, uh, now, I thought this was interesting. We're going to wrap up on Cortez in a second, but Uncle Paulie, uh, Montezuma, did he get some sort of payback on the old gringos? Oh, you mean the shits? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> hey, drink this tequila, then shit yourself to death. <laughs> so, literally known as Montezuma's Revenge, it is uh, what happens when um, tourists come over um, and drink the w- local water, if you will, without having. You know, there's no Culligan down there, not in parts of Mexico, but. That was the thing. And the, there's some people that are so sensitive to it that they have to take a bottle of water and put the bottle, uh, pour a little bit out over their toothbrush because just the little amount of water to wet your toothbrush. Brush your teeth, yeah. yeah that would be enough to uh, give you the shits. Right. So that's the thing. Go on down to Cancun, man. Have it. It's weird. You're safer in Cancun drinking alcohol than you are the water. Yeah, Isn't that wild? A lot of people make the mistake, well, I'm going to drink alcohol, but then they put an ice cube and some, they have something on the rocks and then... The water made, oh, used to make the ice cubes is going to give you Montezuma's Wash revenge. Wash the lettuce, whatever. Yeah. Uh, right. It's it's wild stuff, man. That happened to me in Armenia. They washed a piece of corn with the water, and me and the bathroom attendant were on first-name basis for <laughs> a day and a half. It's bad, too, because it's corn. Um, so, you know, yeah, well, you, can you have a way it. of knowing there when you it's corn. Right. You can identify where what you ate last. Yeah. What, what did I eat? Oh, yeah, that's it. Um, looks familiar. So... Uh, but yeah, so Cortez, uh, he's an interesting guy. Montezuma's dead now. Cortez has pretty much brought about the absolute fall of the Aztec Empire. This is Rome, by the way. All right. This mm-hmm. was Rome. Rome fell because of a case of the sniffles. That's pretty much what's going on over <laughs> here. Obviously, we're being hyperbolic. Um, but uh, yeah, Monty gets his revenge on the gringos, uh, you know, centuries later by making us shoot ourselves whenever we go. Today. Yeah. Still today. Spring break, baby. Um <laughs> Now, Cortez, unfortunately, he gets honored by the Spanish crown and is awarded the governorship of Puerto Rico. Okay, so the first governor of Puerto Rico is Hernan Cortez, the man who uh, single-handedly almost destroyed the entire Aztec empire. So uh, he winds up remaining in power over there for several years until he gets removed by the king. The king kicks him out of power. Velazquez has a little bit of a hand in this. Um, He then goes back to Spain to plead directly with the king for a return to power. Uh, he was never allowed to rule as governor again. That's not that's not a good endorsement, you know, when you're not allowed to ever. Oh, yeah, by the way, um, there, there's no term limits by it. They're just saying you can't do your job anymore. You suck. Mm-hmm. So um, he gets over there. He spends the rest of his life in Spain trying to seek out recognition for his, uh, here comes one of those air quotes, great feats. Okay. 
so it's almost like uh, Cortez was a one-hit wonder. You know what I mean? And he's walking around, and uh, you know they're they're seeing him at the core, like, oh, did you hear about this new band Nirvana? I don't know. Uh, I, you guys remember when I did uh, Everybody's Working for the Weekend? That was pretty cool, right? <laughs> you remember yeah? that song? Lover that boy? thing you do? No, me neither. Lover boy, come on, guys, it's me. Like, uh, no, man, it's uh, we're all about Guns and Roses now. Come on, Lover boy. <laughs> so. Uh, he's kind of tooting his own horn. Uh, it almost reminds me of uh, the scene from uh, uh, Arrested Development when uh, Tobias is talking himself up around the Hollywood offices. So he goes, oh, that Funke has done it again. <laughs> so he's talking himself up. He goes, uh, and no one really respects him. And he becomes very bitter. He realizes this. So he dies uh, of pleurisy, okay, um, at age 62, I think. And uh, I think I wrote it down here. Uh, he dies in 1547. Uh, he was survived by many legitimate and illegitimate children. Uh, some of them were even from La Malinche. Okay. Now, those children are among the first recorded mestizos or um, mixed indigenous and European children. Okay. So we have, you know, in a weird way, Hernan Cortez. Uh, thank you so much for uh, Louis C.K., <laughs> the father of. Yeah. I'm teasing. We all know he was a San Patricio. He had to be that way. But, uh, yeah, wild stuff, man. Uh, Cortez dies not very fondly remembered. Um, when you're the first governor of Puerto Rico, you should be set for life. He didn't have a whole lot of money when he died. Uh, if you look at a picture of him, which I'll post up on the Instagram, not a handsome fella. Okay. But died very bitter and unrecognized. He never got uh, over those daddy issues that made him take down an entire civilization. But uh, did you guys have anything else before we wrap up? Yeah, I want you to read this description of Montezuma. Oh, no. All right. Here, down here in the highlighted what section. What he really looked like. Oh, yeah. Here we go. Uh, he was about 40 years old, of good height and well-proportioned. So, big dick. Um, <laughs> slender and spare of flesh. Not very swarthy, but of the natural color and uh, shade of an Indian. Now, again, is this uh, the Native American Indian, or is this the actual India Indian? We wonder, right? Uh, he did not wear his hair long, but uh, so as just to cover his ears. His scanty black beard was well-shaped and thin. His face was somewhat long, but cheerful. He had good eyes. This is a description of you, Uncle Paul. I didn't want to say <laughs> What are we doing here? So, uh, handsome guy, excellent cook. Two kids, Pam and Greg. Uh, <laughs> uh, graduate of Orange High School. Um, he had good eyes and showed in his appearance and manner both tenderness and when necessary, gravity. So now, now both of you can attest, both Larry and Kevin, that I'm a pretty good artist, right? Right. Very good. All right. You both have paintings in my house, in your houses, right? So I did a sketch based on that description. It's going to be Columbo. Montezuma. <laughs> For those who can't see it, I'll put it up on the Instagram. It's uh, he did it's Homer Simpson is Montezuma. <laughs> it's got my personal signature that I put on all my paintings. So if you ever see a painting with that signature, that's mine. Oh my it's god! Three P's because I really had to go. Uh, fantastic on that one. Uh, LP framed. <laughs> Anything else to wrap us up here, sir? No, that's, uh, that's pretty much it. I mean, Cortez was quite the character, for sure. Well, this is a fun one, because a lot of people think they know the story, and they're just like, oh, yeah, and then uh, they show up, they thought they were God, so then, like, everybody died. You know, that's that's literally that one line in the history book. But when I took the Native American Studies class, which was one of my favorites I ever took over there at Brookdale, we dove in on this. We did, like, a full two weeks just on this story, and we were reading. It's the only time I've ever been bummed out that I ran out of, like, sourced material to read. Because I was absolutely loving it. That 
the apocalypse happen, okay? We're always in you know, these disaster movies that we love. This shit happened. There was a Rome, a perfect civilization in Mesoamerica. And that's why I know it's not an American, a United States of American loser, but I can't think of a more appropriate person than the emperor of Mesoamerica. The, his entire kingdom crumbled because, you know, somebody had smallpox. So it's wild shit that way. Uh, did you guys have anything you want to say on the way out? Worlds collide. Uh, I have to take mm. a shit now today. This Montezuma stuff. It is honor. Well, we made your coffee with water from Mexico, so mm. I want you to Uh-oh. know that. Um, so we'll but, see you in about three days. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, uh, this was great. Um, guys, I did just get back from Florida. had an awesome week uh, down at Side Pillars with Bobby Kelly. I was at the Stress Factory all this past weekend with uh, Ted Alexandro. Got to hang out with George Lopez, actually. Tried to get him on the show. He wasn't feeling it. Um, so, uh, he's he's like, I did this. that for seven seasons, man. I don't feel like being <laughs> on any more shows. Well, this one's going to come out on Tuesday. So, guys, come see me. I'm going to be down at Uncle Vinny's Comedy Club in Point Pleasant. I'll be there all week. And then, uh, Uncle Paulie, you and I are going hunting in South Carolina. Yeah, absolutely. We're going to shit the... Woods up <laughs> together. Yeah, we, didn't, we didn't say what we're hunting yet. It's uh, it's people. We're going after yeah, people. I knew it. <laughs> also, Paddle brief Kahuna right casting couch, Fernando uh, Cortez, Sean Connery. All right, Cortez. Because sure. I feel like he could do it. Plus, he's British, so they could just adapt into roles naturally. <laughs> Them fucking chameleons. We'll get an Oscar. It'll be great. Montezuma, you don't look so good. <laughs> Shook and not stirred. And uh, who would you have as Montezuma here? Because I was going to throw it to you for a second anyway for Kahuna's casting count. I have no idea for Montezuma. I couldn't figure out. Like, I was looking through towards the end of the thing, but still. Chappelle. It was like... Dave Chappelle. Has <laughs> Dave Chappelle. He's just my go-to when I have no one to pick. You know, actually, <laughs> Dave Chappelle might not be a bad pick. If, if they wanted to piss everybody off, the great casting of Montezuma would be Hank Azaria. So, they take, <laughs> so you take him from playing Apu on The Simpsons, and now you make him the Aztec ruler. So I mean, he... He could have did. He could have. He could do it. He's he was. He guy, played man. something similar in Night at the Museum. <laughs> True. He was a uh, emperor, uh, pharaoh, I think. Yes. Um, but uh, that being said, guys, uh, if you love the show, uh, I love you for listening. It means a lot to me, uh, Uncle Paul. You were a fantastic guest as always. LP, thanks for making me love history and doing the show every week. Uh, thank you to Mike and Ming and the Shared Universe letting us do this. Cahoon's giving up a Sunday for us here, guys. Uh, you are the best that way. We're gonna get out of here. Go watch some football. But uh, that being said, guys, uh, we love the show. We love doing it. We want to keep this thing going. So do me a favor. The best thing you can do for us right now is leave us a review, a written review. If you give us the five stars, that helps out. But a written review really helps us. And we keep track of who leaves the reviews, too. Some of them are hilarious. You guys are pretty funny out there. But um, help Keep the comedy to us, people. Yeah. uh, American Loser Podcast on Instagram is where you can check out some of the links for the shows. I post everything on my Facebook on every Tuesday. So that's KP Burke Sucks at Instagram and Twitter. American Loser Podcast on Instagram. KP Burke on Facebook. Check me out, guys. Come out to a live show. We have a good time. It's very fun. Uh, but that being said, all we're asking for is reviews. Tell a friend about the show. We're going to be changing the format eventually, so get in on the ground floor now. We love having you guys here. That being said, that was Montezuma, American Loser. An American Loser the day I was born An American Loser the day I was born American loser the day I was born